You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. We live in a world that is full of fake news. We live in a world that's full of fake news. So much of the stuff that you see and you hear regularly. By the way, if you were here on Tuesday night, this is not the same message, just the same opening photograph, all right? Just for the record, in case you're going, what? He's going to say the same thing? I'm out of here. It's okay. You don't have to. Good morning, by the way, to Cafe Church. I hope you're all tuned in. Um, this, um, we're surrounded by fake news. So many of us are believing fake things about ourselves, about our lives, about God, and about our future. We are continuously being fed a stream of fake news. You know, I think it's particularly hard for teenagers and young people nowadays, I sound like a right old fella, but I think it is really hard in an Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook generation where everything is sanitized and people are putting up, I put up a no, a no makeup selfie recently and nobody commented on it at all and I had no makeup on, but we're living in this generation when everything is, is filtered and everything is perfect and nobody takes a photograph of this is what I look like first thing in the morning, everybody has these perfect pictures and you know, and it's really fake because it's not how people live. And we're continuously being fed this message. And the other thing is that we're continually being fed messages about our future. We're continually being told that our future is dangerous or that we're, there's trouble ahead. And sometimes there is small trouble ahead. But I can tell you this. The Bible overall says that our future is bright. Would anyone say amen? The future overall, the ultimate future. I, I love what one um, economist said when he was asking about what was, the, what was the outlook for the long run. And he said, well, the long run, the outlook isn't very good because we're all going to die. <laughs> That's the outlook. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Michael. But it's fi- there's so much fake news we're being exposed to. I want to look this morning uh, at, at some of that this morning. I want to look at some of that and I want to continue what I was doing on Tuesday night last. Um, I'm going to be looking this morning at fake news or good news. I'm looking at Exodus chapter 4 to 6. Now, I'm not going to be reading Exodus chapter 4 to 6 just for the record in case you're going, oh no, we're going to be here for no reading. I'm going to just take a couple of verses out of a narrative story that is really important for us to tune in. On Tuesday night, I was looking at a guy called Moses. We know about Moses. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Moses is the founder, effectively, uh, of the Jewish law. Um, He's part of the founding of the Jewish religion, and he's very much a key guy in the whole Bible and in Christianity as well. So Moses was called to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. That was the job that God gave him. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 4. The Lord calls him and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt, and I want you to tell him, that uh, I want my people to be let go, the time of slavery is up. And what we were looking at was this idea that Moses, when he was called by the Lord, said, Lord, I can't speak, I'm not able to speak, I get tongue-tied, I get tongue-tangled, I'm not a good speaker. No, I was never a good speaker. Is there any chance you would send someone else, Lord? What hope that you might send somebody else to do this job, Lord? And the Lord said to him, no, I want you to go, I'm going to make you able. Who gave you mouth? Who gave you ears? Who gave you eyes? I did. And Moses had begun to believe fake news about himself that he wasn't able to do what God had called him to do. And that was the, the, ne- the nexus of what we were saying on Tuesday night. And it's so true for all of us here. If God has called you to do something, he will make you able for the task. Whatever God is calling you to do, he will provide to you the resources, whether they be personal, literal, physical, or spiritual. God will provide the resources for the job. Would anyone say amen? I quoted a guy called Søren Kierkegaard. Søren Kierkegaard was a, a Danish philosopher 
who lived in the 1800s. He was, died very young. I think he died at the age of 42. Um, he was a very young man, but a very wise man. And this was the quote that I used last Tuesday night. And I just thought it was an important quote, and I wanted to use it as well this morning on a Sunday when there's a few more people here. I think it's important. He said this, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true, and the other is to refuse to believe what is true. And very often we get fooled by believing things that are not true. We believe the fake news. But then when the good news comes along, we can refuse to believe that as well. And we can be fooled just as much by not believing what God says about our lives as we can by believing what the enemy says about our lives. Are you with me? It's very important that we discern the difference and know what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe. I want to look at the story. I want to continue on the story in Exodus chapter 4. So the Lord said to Moses, go and speak to my people. Go and talk, call together the elders of Israel and tell them this is what God says. I'm going to deliver you. And then I want you to go and speak to Pharaoh. And so eventually Moses, after a series of events, including miraculous signs from God, decides that he and his brother Aaron are going to go and speak to the elders of Israel. Now remember, they are slaves in Egypt. They had no rights. They were put to slavery seven days a week, 365 days a year. And this had gone on for 400 years. For 400 years, no voice of God, no promise of deliverance, and they'd been in slavery. And eventually, God speaks to Moses, and then he goes and he speaks to the elders of Israel, and this is what the scripture records. If you have it down in Cafe Church, just a little recommend, a recommendation to you. I'm going to do three short segments of the Bible. I'll ask you to put it up when I'm looking at them. This is the story. It says that Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs that God had given him as they watched. And then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. Remember, you're a 400 years, you're a slave. And then someday, one day, somebody comes along and says, I have news for you, lads. You're all going to be set free. It's actually going to change. The life as you know it is about to change incredibly, and you're all going to be set free, and you can live freely after 400 years of slavery. And I love what the next line of this passage says. It says this. It says, when they heard... That the Lord was concerned about them and that they had seen, that he had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. They bowed down and they worshipped. When they heard that God had seen their misery and was concerned about them. Remember nothing had happened yet. Nothing had gone down yet. No great deliverance had happened yet. Their first reaction was to worship. And they came before God and they said, thank you Lord that you're interested. Do you know, sometimes, brothers and sisters, we need to worship. And even if we're not seeing the breakthrough we want, we need to say, Lord, I know that you're concerned about me. I thank you, Lord, that even though I don't see the way out of my situation or I don't see the end of this promise coming to pass in my life, Lord, I'm going to choose to worship you. Would anyone say amen? And I want to say to you this morning, because I know there are people here this morning, and you think God has forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten your situations. He has not forgotten your prayers. He has not forgotten your circumstances. God is on the move in your life too. He has seen your trial. He has seen your misery. He has seen your trouble. What's your best response? To worship him. Hallelujah. Worship him. 
And of course, we all know that the rest of the story in Exodus chapter 4 says, and they all lived happily ever after. Amen. Let's close in prayer. But of course, that's never how it happens. It's never how it happens at Hollywood. It never is how it happens in real life. And so what happens is Moses decides he's going to go and talk to Pharaoh, plucks up the courage and says, Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. And Pharaoh says, the Lord, because Pharaoh's in cock, the Lord. <laughs> Who's the Lord? I don't know the Lord at all, boy. And you're not, I'm not going to let you go. Forget about it. Like, in actual fact, what you're going to do is you're going to stop being so lazy and you're going to work even harder. That's what's going to happen. You're going to work even harder. And he said, I want those slaves to work even harder. Now remember, they've been told, God is coming to deliver you. And now they're working even harder. And their situation goes from bad to worse. They were in a bad situation. Now they're even made to work even harder. And it says that the foremen of the, of the, of the, of the um, Jews, of the Israelites, come before Pharaoh and they said, how are, you, how are you expecting us to work harder? You're not giving us the resources to work harder. Isn't it great when your employer, I, I, I've had it in my experience, when your employer says, I want you to work harder, but you're not getting any extra resources? Amen. We pray for our employers. Amen. Amen. Bless them even when they're cruel to us. Okay, we move on swiftly. Okay. But things get even worse for them. So they've heard the promise of God, and things go downhill really fast. They're made to work harder. Their misery actually gets worse. And some people think that when they become a Christian, well, that's going to be the end of it. No, but very often that isn't the end of it. That can be the start of a different and even more difficult phase for people in their lives. It can be the start of a whole new experience in terms of relationships and how they negotiate their lives. And things can actually seem initially, they can actually seem worse. So after the, after the foreman go and speak to uh, Pharaoh, it says that they knew that they were in trouble. The Israelites' foreman could see they were in serious trouble. As Pharaoh said, I am going to crush you. I'm going to make you work even harder. Get out of my sight. And I love what happens. It says that Moses and Aaron were waiting outside. They're probably going, I can't wait. Let's see what's happened. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it says the Israelite foreman, when they came out, they met Moses and Aaron. It says, as they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. And the foreman said to them, may the Lord judge you and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Praise the Lord. That's really encouraging now. I heard the word of God. Moses and Aaron bring good news, but the good news doesn't begin to work out too well as they're planning it. And Moses and Aaron, instead of being the great heralds of this great news, are actually cursed by the very people they came to deliver. Does this start to sound familiar at all when you think of the gospel story of Jesus Christ? They're cursed. And now for Moses and Aaron, things go from bad to worse. And of course, Moses responds. He goes before the Lord. He says this. He says, Moses went back to the Lord and he protested to God. And he said, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rescue them. Have you ever prayed and felt like there's just 
nothing happening? I've done that. I think you've done that. You pray and you feel like there's nothing happening. Or worse still, you pray about a situation and it actually gets worse instead of getting better. You go, Lord, what, what's going on? You know, when, when you see this protest by Moses, it's important for us to be respectful of God and in God's presence. But it's also okay to raise a protest. If you read the book of Psalms, continually the psalmists are writing and they're saying, Lord, why is this happening? Or have you forgotten me? Or Lord, did you forget to remember your promise to me? Or what? And this is continual right through the book of Psalms. You read it. Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? So not only for the, all the Israelites do things get worse after the good news. After the good news comes, things get worse as well for Moses and for Aaron. And then the Lord gives his response. And it says, and then the Lord told Moses, you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave this land. In fact, it's going to be so difficult for him that he will hunt you out of his country. And right now it seems awful and difficult and a real struggle and things are getting worse. But believe me, it is going to come a point where he's going to kick you out of his country. You're going to get out so fast. And we look at that another day. We're going to get out of the country so fast, it's going to feel like you're being chased out of the country. You see, very often when we look at our circumstances and we look at our situations, we don't know what's going on, brothers and sisters. You know, Christianity... Christians are not psychics. We're not here to kind of go, yes, we know the answer to all of these things. God's hand sometimes works in incredibly mysterious ways. Ways that we can't understand. As the heavens are above the earth, says the Lord. So are my ways above your ways. We don't necessarily see the truth, but we can have our faith profoundly affected by our circumstances. And so Moses goes back and he tells the people of Israel, he says, lads, this is the good news. Uh, God has spoken to me and he said he's going, that Pharaoh's going to kick us out of his country by the time we're finished. But it says this. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen any more. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. They refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. The brutality of their slavery had made them cynical and skeptical. The whips on their back were more deeply ingrained than the words of God. The experience of making bricks day in and day out and day in and day out was far more real to them than the promises of deliverance. In fact, they couldn't listen anymore. They refused to listen. Do you know what? Do you know what happened to them? Their hopes had been raised and then dashed. And then their hopes were raised and then they were dashed. And sometimes as we walk as Christians, we can pray for situations or hope for situations or long for situations and expect a change only for our hopes to be dashed. But there are hopes. We have generated them. We've created them. 
and think, oh, it's coming any moment, but then our hopes are dashed. And, and what we hoped for was, doesn't come to pass. But does that change God's promise? Does that change God's word? When we become cynical and doubtful and, oh, no, I don't know, is this ever going to happen? They wouldn't listen. They put their fingers in their ears. They've had enough, they said. Now, for every one of us, we see the world in a certain way. We see the world, each one of us will see it ever so slightly differently. But for all of us as people of faith, as Christians, is there any Christians in the room? Would you raise your hand if you're a Christian? For us as Christians, we need to look at the world and look at our experience in a certain way. And this is really important for us. You see, every one of us looks at the world through a filter. We're all looking at the world through a certain set of filters. We, you know, there's an old saying, they don't know who wrote it, but it's really true. We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. We see things through the filter of us and our experience and our upbringing and our childhood and our values and so on and so forth. And for us as Christians, we need to have the right lens in front of us. See, very often people look at their faith through the lens of their experience. If your experience is what you look at your faith through, then I guarantee you this, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to have tough days. And those tough days or tough seasons or tough years or even tough decades. You're going to have tough times. And if you look at your faith through that experience, you go, well, you know, maybe faith isn't all that important. Maybe it isn't actually, you know, maybe what God said isn't true. And we end up looking at our experiences. We look at our lives in the wrong way. We look at them through the wrong filter. We look at our faith through our experience. What we need to do is look at our experience through our faith. The faith is the filter that we look at it and say, well, look, I know that that's not working out. I'm not able to have kids in time. I didn't get the job that I was longing for. That girl that I asked out thought that I was a troll and wouldn't go out with me. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to say, I still believe God's purposes and plans will come to pass. Because I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. It's faith that is guiding my direction. And for these guys, you know, I think we're very like them, the children of Israel at times. And I think when I say we, I just mean people, human beings are like that. We look at our experiences and go, how can God be in this because things are so hard? Somebody asked me yesterday, it was literally yesterday, somebody came up to me and said, he said, Michael, I wonder, can you answer a question for me? You know, seem as God is always on our side. And I knew then, I knew then, by the way, when this person asked questions, I said, yes, Lord, I know I'm going in the right direction for tomorrow. Thank you. This person came up and said, do you know if God is supposed to be on our side, like you say all the time, like we say in church all the time, if God is supposed to be for us and not against us, then why do all of these difficulties arise in our lives? And this person listed the difficulties that came up for them. And I said, you know what? You're looking at it the wrong way around. Isn't it great to know that because of your faith, you can get past these difficulties and you can go beyond these difficulties and you can see the final destination as a result of your faith? Maybe not you, but I need it, brothers and sisters. Because does anybody here ever have a bad day? Go on, I dare you. I dare you. Four of us. And the other 327 are filthy liars, every one of you. Because nobody is going around, I'm on top of the world looking down on creation. Nobody is living like that. Nobody is just above excellent all the time. Absolutely not. Everybody has difficult days. Every day, everybody has trial days. Our weeks, our months, our seasons, our decades. Which lens will we look at the, our lives through though? Is Asian and Kesht? That's the question. 
Which will we look through? Which will we believe? Will we believe our short-term, temporary experience? Or will we believe God's permanent, eternal, and unerrant word? What God says about our lives or what fake news we hear in our lives every day. And the fake news, worst of all, that we tell ourselves. Let me look, let me look at a, a passage from the New Testament. This is a, a last, last couple of verses. We're going to look at Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing to new Christians, and they're from a Jewish background. And he's writing to them, and the Jews had a whole lot of religious baggage behind them, and so on and so forth. Might look at it a little bit more on Tuesday night. But here's, here's Paul writing to the early Christians in Rome, and he's writing in Romans chapter 1. And I think there's some, we can go over these verses so quickly and ignore what they're actually saying. Here's what he says. He says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's not fake news, it's good news. Would anyone say amen? It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Saving everyone who believes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. You see, when you see Paul saying, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. You think to yourself, I get embarrassed sometimes telling people about Jesus. Like, and I really would prefer not to tell anyone. Do you think Paul was going, I'm not ashamed because no, I don't get embarrassed. Because like, I get very embarrassed and I have to go beyond myself. That is not what Paul is talking about when he talks about not being ashamed. What he's saying is in his context to Jews who become Christians, he's saying to them, I'm not ashamed about this good news about Jesus Christ. Remember, he has written to the Corinthian church and he said to them that this gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ being crucified to pay for our sins, he said, it is a stumbling block to the Jews. The Jews go, what? How can the Messiah be sacrificed? How can the Messiah, the great deliverer himself, end up being crucified? And he said, it's foolishness to the non-Jews. They go, what kind of foolishness are you talking about? But he says, I'm not ashamed about this good news about Christ. Because it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. And you might say to yourself, you know what? How is that going to solve my problem today? Oh, yes, it'll solve your problem today. Because I can tell you, do you see this word saving there? It has, sorry, gone off the stage in Cafe Church. That word saving over there, I should point with me pointer. That word saving, that is a very literal word. It's not some kind of airy, fairy, ghosty feeling that, like in spirit, my spirit is saved. It sometimes and very often means literally saved. You don't know but that God's intervention in your life has saved your physical life. I don't know where I would be. I've met hundreds of Christians who openly say, if I hadn't become a Christian, I would be dead. I would have been carried away in my habits that would have destroyed my life. But this good news has literally saved my life. Hallelujah. It can save your life too today. Would anyone say amen? And he goes on to say this. It saves everyone who believes, but this is the most important part. He said, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through that a righteous person has life. It is through faith. And it says from start to finish. So whether you've been a Christian for eight hours, eight minutes, 
eight days, eight weeks, eight months, or eight decades. I'm 51. I became a Christian when I was 18. If God spares me and I live to 88, I will have known the Lord for 70 years. And I will need just as much faith at the end of those 70 years as I did at the start of them. It doesn't go from being from faith at the start. Well, you've got to have a lot of faith at the start, but it's kind of okay because you can manage as you get along. No, it will always be by faith. And even if you respond, and I think you should respond to God and say, Lord, I'm going to accept what you say about my life, you will still need faith. And you'll still have to walk by faith. And if you follow him for a week, another month, or another 20 years, you will need faith for every single day of that time. Because it is your faith in Jesus Christ that makes you right before God. Would anybody say amen? So every one of us is surrounded. There's the fake news of our experience. And I mean it. It's fake news. It doesn't mean that there's not reality in there. But the fake news about our future cannot be drawn from our current or past experience. Would anyone say amen? It is by faith. I would like us to, I'd like to ask you a question. Very simply this. What will you believe? Will you believe the fake news of your experience and even your current circumstances about your future, or will you believe the good news that is by faith from start to finish? Which one are you going to believe? Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? I want to pray. Maybe the band will come up, guys. You want to come up? All ready to go this time, fair play to you. Ready to rock. I want us to pray very simply this morning. You know, some, of, some people are here this morning and you've, had, you've been going through a very, very difficult experience. And maybe not very, very difficult, but you've been going through a difficult experience. And you've been wondering, Lord, where are you in the midst of this trial? Where are you in the midst of this situation where I have been misunderstood? Or where I have miscalculated? Or maybe I have misheard? Or maybe I just missed it? Lord, where are you in the midst of that? And I, I, I want to say to you this morning that we need to accept what God says about our future. We need to accept the good news and not the fake news. For many more of us here this morning, we just want to say, Lord, I want to walk by faith all of my days. And you know, maybe your faith is being undermined. Maybe it's being nibbled at. Maybe your daily experiences are making you struggle with your faith. We're going to pray for that in a minute. We're going to give an opportunity to respond to that very prayer request in a second. But we're going to sing first. We're going to sing first because it's good for God's people to sing. Amen. We're going to worship and we're, we're going to declare that we are no longer slaves. Wrong. From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called my name I've been born again To your family your blood flows through my veins I'm no
In just a few seconds, we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to come forward. We're going to pray. If you're here this morning and your prayer is maybe a little bit more simple than that. Lord, will you help me to walk by faith and not by sight? Lord, will you help me to walk by faith all of my days and not by sight? Who would pray that prayer this morning? going to sing. I'm going to invite you to come to the front. We're going to pray. We're going to respond to God. We're going to bring these matters before God right now. Let's sing. Let's go. And I pray. 
next week and next month and next year, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who walk by faith and not by sight. That we would expect good things even in the midst of storms and trials and difficulties, Lord. Lord, that we would walk by faith even when our bank account isn't telling us that that's the way to walk right now. Even when our situation, our relationship is telling us that's not the way to walk right now. Or maybe our bodies are telling us that's not the way to walk right now, Lord. This morning, we choose the filter of faith for our future. And we commit that future into your hands. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your deliverance arrive in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, and God's people said aloud. Amen. Just before you go away, can I invite everyone to raise their hands? Let's do a closing prayer. Let's close together. Now raise your hands nice and high. When I say raise your hands, why do we raise them high? Because say, Lord, we're serious about this. This is a serious prayer. We thank you this morning for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, our prayer today is that we go as we go from this building here today, Lord, and back to what some people refer to as our normal lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, that that normality would be drenched with the presence of God. That normality would be drenched by the realization of God. That normality would be drenched with the promises of God and the expectation that God can, is, and will do great things in us, for us, and through us, in our lives, in our situations, and in our families. We commit ourselves into your hands, your gracious and loving hands, Lord Jesus. Go with us, we pray, in Jesus' name, and God's people say, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name and God's people said one last time. God bless you brothers and sisters. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs in the atrium. The guys are going to play us God willing, we'll see you again next Sunday and next Tuesday night. Don't forget to wear the green. And we'll see you on Tuesday night and Sunday morning. God bless you.